The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Habs and Minded once more. It's the European pawn of Eyes on the Prize that sits down for a conversation, a post-mortem if you want to call it that, over the World Junior Championships. We have uh, Patrick Bexel in Sweden, but most importantly, we have Anton Rasegård in Rome once more. Welcome back to the pod, Anton. I want to say the most important one. I mean, you are the one leading the pod, but thank you for that warm introduction, Botic. Very kind of you. Well, it's a new year. I better start something. Um, we're, we're looking back uh, to uh, maybe first and foremost the final on Sunday uh, evening for us and Sunday afternoon for for canadians a well-deserved goal in the end even if they had a terrible loss to russia in the round robin uh, to canada congratulations to our um, canadian listeners and that's most of you um what what did you think about the final in the end uh i think it was um, a final that was uh, between two two good teams two good teams who who stepped up and and uh really like kind of exceeded expectations in the end um it was a, a game that could have gone anywhere uh basically and uh in the end canada w- w- came back from a 1-3 deficit to uh to win in the end uh, and that's uh, an impressive effort i must say there was um, the, the ending was obviously the one thing that got uh, a lot of attention the tsn camera etc etc I can understand the frustration. Uh, I know the rules. The rules is clear. It shouldn't have been a penalty. Uh, but you can understand the desperation and, and maybe what happened with the Russians in the end, taking another tu- stupid penalty after that, because somehow you feel like the world is against you. Uh, I still think Russia did a very, very good tournament, especially continue, uh, looking back into what we thought would be a strength for Russia, the goalkeeping, and it turned out to be uh, more of a haze uh, of who's picking what and, and how long do they play in each game. Um, but but standout uh, was obviously uh, Lafayette, um and I had to eat, eat crow on, on what I said before. I haven't seen a lot of him internationally that, that I really thought mattered. But it was Canada as a machine that stepped up as well, the goals in the in the in the final game came for, from a few different players that you might not have expected um, at start. No, exactly. Guys like Connor McMichael and uh, Akil Thomas really stepped up. Uh, Jamie Drysdale as well. Um, players uh, when when we knew from the start that uh, like coming into the final that both Lafreniere and uh, Captain Barrettaton had been dealing with injuries. It's impressive to see uh, these other guys step up, but that's the 
perk to be a, a dominant hockey force like Canada, that you have basically uh, so much talent that even your third and fourth line are, is made up of uh, players who would be, yeah, uh, among the first hundred picked in a draft. Indeed. Uh, and, and we're here, obviously, to look back first and foremost into the um, Montreal prospects in this uh, tournament. Two of them were maybe a little bit of a disappointing, but, but first we have to start with one that, that put a little bit of an exclamation mark behind his name, and I'm going to follow him a lot more closely than I had before, uh, Jordan Harris. He seemed to be in a very disorganized U.S. defense. He was one of the guys that um, got used to the eyes a little bit quicker, uh, played a little bit more secure and, and earned more and more time on the ice from a coaching team that I'm still not convinced should have coached USA in this tournament. No, exactly. Uh, it was impressive to see Jordan Harris. Um, I didn't really know a lot about him. As a European, I don't really uh, follow the NCAA that closely. Uh, but it was really fun to see. Um, he looked like he, uh, you know, he didn't set a foot wrong. Basically, he uh, he looked like he belonged. And, and what I think is most fun with with Norlinder scoring a lot, uh, with uh, uh, Caulfield being the expected top scorer in, in the tournament, seeing Jordan Harris coming in and scoring the first Habs goal of the tournament, it, it was it was funny. And, and a little bit of slap on the wrist of the pre-World uh, pre, uh, Union Championship uh, uh, show that we did. But, but this, is, this is junior hockey as well. You don't know. And, and some people will, will do better on certain surfaces or, or get a better chance of, of, of doing their stuff. And, and obviously, yeah, Jordan Harris is, is good. And uh, it will be very interesting to follow. And, and I appreciate that we have David Saint-Louis riding for, for eyes on the price. Uh, and, and he will for certain uh, go back in and, and uh, look to Jordan Harris and, and see where his strengths and weaknesses are and explain it for us that, that doesn't watch him too much. Obviously, the big thing was that uh, how Cole Caulfield, first and foremost, didn't get the opportunities to play his kind of game uh, from the coaching staff. He was surrounded by players at first that couldn't really utilize his shot that that is the best thing that that Cole Caulfield has after the smile obviously but but in the end he didn't really create that much himself either I don't know um, I mean really he did start to step up his game um, towards the end of round robin and uh, obviously he had that winning goal against the Czechs uh, as an exclamation point there but then like coming into the quarterfinals uh, we had a very, you know, close close game against the Finns, uh, where no one produced at all. So well, two goalkeepers certainly produced there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, that's true. It was a fight of the goalkeepers, uh, but at the same time, like I'm just thinking from from a Montreal Canadiens perspective, and you know, from a Cole Caulfield fan perspective, I'm just surprised that they didn't utilize him more. Um, especially together with his uh, Wisconsin Badger teammate Alex Turcotte. Yeah, and it was when he we got placed with Turcotte that, that he sort of got a little bit more comfortable and, and, and could produce a little bit better. Uh, maybe not 
goal scoring wise, but but game wise, he, he looked more solid in that kind of surrounding. And you would have to wonder how a coaching team uh, went this far, went ahead with their selection in this case. Uh, and and you have to say that I don't think this coach will coach the U.S. ever again. No, I think so as well. Uh, I think he's done for 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 this team. Uh, I would also like to say that, of course, Team USA came in with uh, both Arthur Kaliev, who leads currently leads the OHL in in points, and Oliver Wallstrom, who are also primarily goal scorers. So I think that Scott Sandlin kind of you know, downgraded Caulfield being, a, you know, a guy for next year as well. Uh, unfortunately, I think that someone who has scored the most goal in, in U.S. national team development program's history should get a bigger role in a junior tournament. But obviously, Sandlin didn't agree. And Wallstrom, let's, let's face it, he, he showed his ugly face with two seconds left of, of the game against Finland. A really disappointing show as well. And I think... These are the kinds of hit that you have to get away from from hockey. There, there were some certain calls that maybe wasn't uh, game misconducts, but but his certainly was, and especially in that situation. And and I know a lot of players or or fans want players that hit hard, and I'm not against hitting hard, but you have to hit fair, and and hitting someone in the numbers a meter away from from uh, the bench or, or from the boards and and right in front of the Finland bench with two seconds left that's something that that really disappointed me uh, and, and I was a fan of the US team before the tournament start I had them as, as many of you know I had them as a challenger for for gold and I think that was part of the disappointment for Wallstrom as well but but it never really um, you, you can't do that. It's as simple as that. How does this tournament impact your viewing of of, uh, of Cowfield, and and has he had has this tournament changed his um, arrival to the big stage for you in any way? Uh, not at all. This was uh, like let's face it. The, the, this is five games, and you play on a national team level you play with a lot of players that you are not used to playing with as well so you have a few weeks warming up uh, but you know anyone can have a bad five team five game stretch let's just watch the canadians right now um and you know it doesn't affect my view on cole caulfield at all because we've seen him produce both 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 on high school level and now on the college level is he still one of the players you you write in for montreal canadians next year oh that's you know that you know he's he's only he recently turned 19 right he's born 2001 um difficult to say uh like it depends on how he continues to produce and i'm sure that bergevin and and the other guys will have a, a chat with him during the summer and you you know we will see as well uh, how much he continues to develop because obviously if it's better for his development to stay one more year in the NCAA, we've seen with players like Alex Galchenyuk that there is no need to rush uh, young players to the big stage. Yeah, and, and uh, while I still have the same kind of projection for Calfield, a top goal scorer um, in, in NHL, I, I actually think this tournament showed that 
he needs probably another year after this in in the NCAA. Things can happen, but but for me, this was yeah. You probably need another year, and that's fine. Uh, the way Canadians are going right now, we're in no rush for 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 getting anyone at all uh, to to come over in a hurry or, or or sign with the Canadians in a hurry to to uh, because it seems like the Canadians are urging for another year and maybe two before. Mark Bergman, if it will be Mark Bergman at that time, go go all in for a cup run. Uh, that brings me over to another player that a lot of Montreal fans would love to see more of, but on a stacked Swedish team, uh, the, the the offensive Norlinder uh, got a po- uh, power kill role that, that was where he, we saw him mostly, except for when Sandin was injured in the quarterfinal and uh, he took over in the dying minutes uh, against the Czechs uh, to make sure that Sandin was ready for the semi-final that Sweden went on to lose to Russia in overtime. Your thoughts on, on Norlander? Um, I didn't really see him a lot, to be honest. Um, he, you know, that, that can be good and that can be bad. As a defenseman, it mainly means that he didn't make any any clear mistakes at least uh, but he you know as as we said he didn't get a, a lot of playing time he didn't get the kind of role that he has in Modo um, and the role that we think that he could excel in so basically it was just uh, you know trying to not uh, make any mistakes and trying to just play it safe for, for Montaigne's team He signed this contract with Modo just before the tournament I don't think that affected his tournament I don't think it affected his status in the Swedish team either. I'm still surprised that Adam Yunin got to play as much as he did. But did you see his did you see his uh, his pass to was it the equalizer in the in the either the semifinals or, or the bronze medal game? It was a fantastic no, I, I didn't see it, so it must have been the bronze medal game. But, but Yeah, it was a fantastic pass from his own zone all through and, and it set up the equalizer. So I was just I was going to tell you that I think Adam Jennings has a lot more playmaking ability than you give him credit for. Well, um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But also, I, I will say, so he didn't leave his own zone, right? No, 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 he didn't. <laughs> he was still in his own zone. Uh, anyways, uh, I think what stood out for me with Adam Jennings was probably his leadership. And, and that was something that uh, was undeter- uh, unheard of a little bit before. Uh, but signing this contract with Modo, uh, a contract that I think we mentioned where, where Norlinder will stay with Modo if they qualify for the SHL. But I also think this opens up for other SHL teams for a one-year contract. And I think I've, I've wrote, written about it in regards to which teams I think would work very well. But I also think, well, this is my thing. I don't think he will come over for next year. And looking at the roster and looking at entry-level contracts, because you want them to expire at certain stages, you can't have everyone with an entry-level contract come in at, uh, come in at once. So three years from now, everyone is going to have a new contract. Uh, I think this means the, the contract that, that Norlinder had signed, I think it means that he stays in Sweden another year. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, it feels like, uh, I mean, he's a... Can you call him a late bloomer if he's 19 years old? But still, I mean, he was drafted one year after his eligibility. Um, and he's really only played for 
a senior team uh, since you know the dying the dying minutes of, of like last year uh, of course he would benefit of you know another year on of like senior hockey in his native country before coming over to the NHL and finally <laughs> and most importantly maybe in this tournament the acolytes uh, during the tournament and after the tournament about Alex Romanov uh, from from Russia they never seem to end yet <laughs> that's true uh, Alexander Romanov is uh, splendid. It's wonderful to see him. Um, I mean, I, I had an extra. I, I wrote uh, recaps of two of the Russian games, and of course, I I had an extra eye then on Alexander Romanov. And I mean, I don't follow the KHL that much, to be honest. Uh, it was fantastic to see him. Um, I mean, he he's a leader in everything he does on the ice. He's someone who can play both on on the man advantage and uh, you know on the penalty kill. Um, he is you know both physical and a swift skater. He's uh, good with the puck. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think it was very well deserved that he took a place in the uh, team of the uh, tournament for the second year in a row. Yeah, and and there was a little bit of a discussion between him and Sandin about who was the best defender. It went to Sandin, uh, who had an outstanding tournament offensively. Um, I saw some mistakes that he did defensively, but I can't really argue about awarding Sandin uh, the defender of the tournament. But this is also the kind of Norris uh, problem that that we look at uh, nowadays. You give it to the guy with the most points. And this year, uh, Romanov didn't have most points. But uh, as Eric Engels pointed out, uh, Romanov has scored more points, 14, than any other Russian defenseman has who have played the World Junior Championships. He's also the country's all-time leader in plus-minus at plus 18 over two tournaments. And Alex Govechkin had plus 16. So, so you can argue that there is some strength coming over sooner or later to, to Montreal. Uh, and, and there are... Uh, so many stu- so many things that uh, they are uh, that that is being written, and I, I'm part of that. That writes a lot about Romanov, and he is a a player that many has an opinion of. Maybe because people don't watch KHL enough. No, of course, um, that is part of the part of the issue, and also because. If you only look at stats, if you only look at how many minutes he plays in in Moscow, then you get the uh, you know you get the impression that he may not be as big of a talent as he actually is. But you know if if I were to choose between having someone like Rasmus Sandin or Alexander Romanov in my prospect pool, uh, just a little bit of a you know a little bit of a jab at the Leafs, but I would choose Romanov seven days a week. Uh, because he's a more of a complete defenseman. Sandin has a great offensive upside, like many of Swedish defensemen do, uh, but defensively he's not as secure. And if it's something that, you know, this team that you know we we like uh, the Canadians, if it's something they need, it's a two-way defenseman. Indeed, and and you, you can't really forget that that Romanov is there. He's there to be a little bit of a Weber, a Weber light, maybe a, 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 a maybe 
a better defender than Weber is at the moment uh, because yeah, he Weber is so, so yeah. much better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Weber is more of an old school defenseman, of course. Um, he he is not as you know a good skater as Romanov is. Uh, but it was impressive to see. Uh, the power Romanov has in his slap shot as well. I, I wasn't aware of that before. And and Romanov got uh, some highlights out of of the KHL as well, mentioning his strength, mentioning his plus minus, etc. And and yeah, really, um, the question is when he comes over. I, I have no doubt that Romanov will come over to NHL. The question is when. And and we can all argue about this and, and argue about what Mark Bergevin has said. But he will be an asset, and if the the draft was remade today, Romanov would not be there for Montreal's uh, third pick in the draft. No, uh, early no. second round, he will be at least top fifteen in that draft. Yeah, and what's impressive at the time, we we got to give credit where it's due, and credit to Trevor Timmons and his scouting department because. At the time, he wasn't considered. He was considered a real reach in this early second round. He wasn't even considered as you know an NHL prospect for many many scouts and, and many analysts at the time. So when Montreal took him in this early in the second round, it was more of a who is that for many people, including myself. But you know, time has told uh, as time has told us uh, that was a wise choice by Timmons and Bergeron. And, and I also think we need to give credit where credit's due. Seska has done an awesome job developing this guy uh, yeah. because defensively he was so much more than he was last year. And leadership-wise, I can't remember when I saw a, a, a defender from Russia with that kind of aura that he had leadership. Marco was good, but but I'm thinking back to the big two. And, and it's like very the, um, difficult to, to, to do that. And most of you guys listening don't know who I'm talking about. But that's Yatislav Fetisov. He was the leader. He carried the Russian team in, in the, as we call it here, uh, the Russian, the big red machine and the Russian fine when he came to, to uh, Detroit. And I see the same kind of skill and leadership in Romanov. I thought you were going to compare him to Alexei Emelin, so I was a bit frightened for a second, but thank God. Yeah, well, it's because you never saw Fetiso play because he was so young. I know, I know. But um, looking through the other teams in the tournament, I was surprised by the Kashaks. I shouldn't have been because they are obviously closely related to, to the KHL and there are some from these teams that, that will be drafted, they're undrafted at the moment, but I think it was the scorer, Maxim Musurov, uh, <laughs> that, that looked really, really good, and, and I'd be surprised if he isn't drafted, uh, even if he's an overager, but someone will take a punt on him, much like Nessian will be for Sweden, and uh, as we saw Norlinder this year, I think, and, and maybe even if you take him in, in the 6th, 7th round, as, as Montreal did with Shizamutinov, in order to just keep his rights. Uh, I, I, I think we will see more of those kind of picks in the later rounds nowadays. 
uh, after what, what seems to be a little bit more of a success story from those picks. Uh, then um, Germany, uh, we mentioned it before, I'm happy they stayed up. I think that sooner or later you will have to um, go around and, and, and look to how to improve this tournament and maybe make it into a... Um, to a 12-team tournament, which would make for three games every day, and it will also make for rest days for every team uh, between the games. So it's not being that two teams play on the second day for one team and the first day for another, which makes it a little bit more even tournament. Um, and then, obviously, I am disappointed with the Slovaks. I really am. Yeah, the Slovaks didn't really show much, did they? Slovakia with with the history they have in ice hockey I hope they can turn this around and I know they would talk about them maybe going down among themselves and they're happy they stayed up but but hopefully with Slovan back in in the Czech uh, in the in the Slovak Extraliga this will have to 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 turn things around down there yeah when, when you look at the tournament disappointments strength any any uh, exclamation marks or, or maybe even a, a, a question mark or two? I, I would say that I was pleasantly surprised by the Czechs, even if they ended up you know, not playing that well in their last final, final games. Uh, what I saw from them against Russia and USA was uh, very uh, promising, especially considering that they were against USA, they were without their arguably three best players. Uh, Jakub Lauko was injured since the beginning of the tournament. Uh, Lukas Dostal, uh, the goalkeeper, uh, called in sick before the game. And then we had uh, Jan Jenik, who uh, went out with an injury in the middle of the game against USA. And they still continue to fight and get uh, the game to overtime, where, of course, Cole Caulfield ended it. But that's impressive. Uh, so I was pleasantly surprised because I was under the impression that, and we saw that as well, that since Germany beat them, that Germany would actually be able to sneak in and take the fourth quarterfinal spot in that group. Let's not forget that the Czechs beat Russia in the opening game. Yeah, exactly. That is something that, you know, has almost been forgotten now since Russia went all the way to the finals and also beat Canada 6-0. Six, six uh, any question marks in, in regards to players? Any exclamation marks in, in regards to players? I mean, the, the guys that are draft eligible from Germany, Tim Stutzle and John Jason Paterka, really impressed me. Um, that was It was fun to see them. It was fun to see the German team, um, positively. But if we look at draft prospects for the next year's draft, I have to mention Jaroslav Askarov as a bit of a disappointment. Um, we were saying in our preview podcast how much we both like him and um, how we consider him to be a goalkeeper worthy of a top five pick in uh, next year's draft. I said uh, top 10. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Okay, so between five and 10. But you said also that someone could eventually actually trade up to, 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 to get him early. Um, and what he showed in this tournament was more of a concern than what Montreal Canadiens fans should feel about Cole Caulfield. Yeah, um, Askarov is, is younger and maybe in a more in, in a tougher position. 
but but yeah, I expected a lot more uh, from Askarov as well, and I think that I, I know what I meant, even if it didn't come across, was that I thought that he would fall outside top 10, but maybe someone will trade into the top 10 to get him, because there is always this thing about picking goalies early, and 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 uh, I, it would be interesting to see how he bounces back uh, from this. But but he he is a goalie for the future, and we see what's going on in New York with the Russian goalie tandem that that's going to come around there sooner or later. Or if they actually have to trade one of them in order to to uh, to to uh, put everything in 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 one of them. And and uh, Shoreston is is looking so good. Let's be honest about that. Uh, this is it uh, for, for this week's extra pod, if you want to call it that, or the European pod. But uh, we appreciate li- you listening to us and uh, we'll get back with some more exciting subjects next week. Thank you for joining us, Anton. Pleasure as always. In the Eternal City 